Well, hello and welcome to Crossroads Online. I am so excited because today we are starting a brand new series called The Quarantine. It, it kind of sounds like a horror movie, doesn't it? And if you are like Pastor Trevor, an extreme extrovert, then maybe it has been for you. The truth of the matter is, is, is that if you're living here in Colorado, then for the last four weeks, we have been under the statewide uh, stay-at-home order, which means unless your job is essential, then you are probably like me, staying home at your house. And if you're married, then you're home with your spouse as well. And if you have kids like me, then your kids are home too, which means that every night you're learning everyday math so that you can teach your first grader it, it the next day, right? I mean, that's such the world that we're living in. And, and, when, and when we do get to leave, we leave in like gloves and masks and head coverings, right, as we enter into the world. In fact, it was a few weeks ago, four weeks ago, actually, I was trying to get back from Kentucky to Colorado when all of this was starting to happen. And as I was waiting in line to get on the airplane, uh, two guys in front of me were in hoodies, and they had their hoodies pulled up over their heads. They were in ball caps, dark glasses. They were wearing bandanas with like skulls on their faces pulled up over their noses. They were in leather gloves and this, this full garb. And I just sat back and I just smiled and I thought, only today, like any other day in history, those guys are not getting on an airplane, but today they're getting on this plane. And now four weeks later, <laughs> that's how we go and dress when we're going to the bank, right? I mean, it is a crazy, crazy world that we're living in. And as we looked at the crazy world in which we're living in, we thought as, a, as really a teaching team, we thought, well, what would it look like in this season, not just to like survive, which honestly for some of us would be like a huge win, but actually to thrive during this season. And as we started talking about that and thinking about that, we thought, you know what? The Bible has a lot to say about how to thrive in a season that is a little bit uncertain, how to thrive in a season that is a little bit unusual. And so we sat down and we started to think, well, well how could we put together a series that would address just that? Not just like surviving the quarantine, but actually thriving in it. And so what this is what this series is over really the next four weeks. We're going to be talking about that. And today I get to start it all off with really talking about time and how it is that we redeem our time during this season. See, the reality is, is that I've talked to most people six feet away, of course. I have found that people have more time than they've ever had before which is totally fascinating to me because typically the question is, is how do I squeeze like more things into my schedule? Now, as a pastor, I do a fair amount of counseling and it doesn't matter who I talk to, what nationality they're from, uh, what it is that they have going on in their lives. There's a complaint that really resonates with every single person. And that complaint is this, is that I just don't have enough time. I'm just so busy. Like, like I can't fit another thing into my schedule. I'm overbooked. I'm running on empty. There's no space. There's no margin. That that is like the universal complaint. And I hear that from friends. I hear it from people in church. I hear it from my staff. I hear it from neighbors. I hear it from strangers. And even at times, honestly, I even echo those words sometimes in my own life. I mean, there are times that I look at my schedule and it is so packed. It is like so full. I think to myself, there is no space. There's not even room to breathe. How am I going to get all of this done? And if I was honest, maybe a little bit like you, 
that when we have overbooked schedules and overbooked lives, there's something about that that feeds our pride, doesn't it? There's something about that that gives us kind of the sense of importance. Like, like because I'm so busy that somehow I'm, I'm more important. And even though we know that's not the case and we know that that's not true, it's certainly the way that we think and it's certainly the way that we act. And, and yet when we talk about that and even think about that and even me saying it, there, there's something in me that knows that that's just feeding something unhealthy in my life. But then suddenly, four weeks ago, everything stopped. There was no longer kids' events to attend to. There was no more sporting events to watch on TV. There wasn't hours of, of sitting in traffic to and from work. Our favorite pubs were closed. In fact, the gyms you could no longer go to in the morning because we were all told to stay at home. And the result is that we have more time than we've ever had before, which is, which is totally funny because the complaint now isn't I'm so busy, it's I'm so bored. And the complaint isn't how am I gonna get all this stuff done? It's, it's what am I gonna do with our time, with my time? I mean, all of us are looking for things to do. I mean, Disney Plus, listen, Disney Plus went from 25 million subscribers to over 50 million subscribers in one month. 34 million people watched The Tiger King on Netflix. And all of us have the same question. Is Carol's husband hanging out with the tigers or is he secretly Jeff Lowe sent in as a secret spy to ruin the Tiger King, right? I mean, all of us are looking for things to do. And what's so interesting is that when it comes to this whole thing of time, not much has changed, has it? I mean, not much things at all have, have changed when it comes to time. That we all know that our time is limited. That's not a surprise to any of us. And every single one of us knows that at some moment, our time, our days are gonna run out. I mean, Moses, one of, the, one of the big dogs of the Bible, in Psalm 90, verse 12, he prayed this prayer. He, he said, so teach us to number our days so that we might have a heart of wisdom. Now, the whole reason that Moses prayed that prayer is because he knows what we know. We all know that our days are limited, that our, that our time is limited, that your days and my days, all of them are numbered. And man, as, as we go through this quarantine, the stay-at-home kind of things, there isn't a one of us, there isn't a one of us, come on, there's not a one of us who wants to look back on this time and go, where, where did all the time go? How did, how did I waste my time on that? Why didn't I spend more time on the important things of life? See, the trap for every one of our lives is this, is rather than investing consistent amounts of time in important things, that we spend our time doing random things that really have no cumulative value. And during this quarantine, that reality is more real than ever. And so the question before us is how do, we, how do we avoid spending our time on those random things that have very little value and instead begin to navigate the opportunities that we face every day of our lives and make the most important things of our lives the things that we're focused on? Where do you start with that? Well, if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Look, if you don't have a Bible, what I would encourage you to do right now is to go ahead and take out your cell phone and on your app, whether that's the Apple App Store, Google Play, whatever it is that you use, I would encourage you to type into your search version Bible. It's totally free. It has so many versions on it, so many reading plans on it that, that you can check that out and you can have a Bible of your own right now. Ephesians chapter 5 is one of my most favorite chapters in all of the Bible. When I decided that I was going to be a pastor, a few years after that, I was in a mentoring relationship 
with a guy named Dr. Carlson, that Dr. Carlson invested so much into me as a person, not only in terms of ministry, but also what it looked like to be a good husband. We, wouldn't have an, it would e- we would even have certain times where we would talk about the future of, of what did it look like to be a good dad. I mean, he just invested in me in so many ways. Well, one month, one week, really, during my senior year at college, I came into his office and I sat down on his couch like I did so many times before to, to do this time where he invested in me. And he looked at me and he said, Matt, today I want to talk to you about how you use your time, how you use your time. And he opened up Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Now, the Apostle Paul, one of the great writers of the New Testament, is the one who's writing this letter to a church in Ephesus. And here's what he writes, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, when we read these verses... And Paul says, be careful how you walk. That word walk, we are to interpret as live. That anytime the Bible, in the New Testament particularly, uses the word walk, just put live in there because that's what they mean. That Paul's saying, be careful then how you walk. And then what he says is that there's, that there's two types of walking. There's two types of living. That we can live as wise or we can live as unwise. Now, now, we can share countless stories, right? I mean, I probably have hundreds of stories of how I've lived unwise in my life and, and maybe dozens of stories of how I lived wise in my life. We all have stories. We can all share examples of wise living and unwise living. But Paul says, look, a wise person, he's going to live his life carefully. He's going he's to walk in this life carefully. And that little word carefully there actually means to look ahead, to scope out, to be aware that a wise person is aware. And, and then he goes on and he says in verse 16, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Now, this phrase here, making the best use of your time, in the Greek literally means to redeem the time. And that little Greek word there, almost throughout the entire first century, was exclusively used in mathematics. That's culturally how it was used. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that wise people make sure that they, that they cash in their time for something of equal value. That when it comes to your time, whether you have a lot of time or a little bit of time in this season, how much ever time you think you have left, Paul says, make sure that you're redeeming it, trading it, spending it on things of equal value. Don't waste your time. Now on that day, as I was sitting in Dr. Carlson's couch, he looked at me and he said, Matt, what does it look like for you to spend the time that God has given to you in wise ways? What does it look like to spend the days that you have left on this earth wisely? That's a question that wrecked me. I mean, throughout the years, I've I've thought about that question time and time again. What does it look like to live wisely? Because for me, probably like you, I can very easily find ways to simply waste my time. And so over many, many years, I've, I've come to realize that if I'm really concerned, I mean, really concerned about making every moment that God has given me count, if I'm really invested and interested in, in, in life and doing life where the most important things rise to the top, not just the most urgent things, then there's a specific question that I need to ask. See, oftentimes when it comes to our time, the question that we're prone to ask is, is what do I have to do today? 
What do I have to do with my time today? Now, that's an okay question to ask, but actually, I think it's the wrong question. And the reason that I think it's the wrong question is because I believe that there's a better question out there, and that better question is this. What do I want to become? What do I want to become? In this season of my life, what do I want to become? And when we ask that question of becoming, everything becomes clear. Everything begins to change in our life. Look, in this season of life, as the senior pastor of this church, we're living in an unprecedented time in history when all of church has changed. I mean, almost overnight, we went completely digital. And there isn't a single pastor who was ready for this. I mean, not a single person on the planet who was ready for this moment. In fact, everything that we've known, everything that we've done in church for, for hundreds of years, almost immediately thrown out, of, thrown out of, of, of life, thrown out of how to know how to do it, and all of a sudden, we jumped forward 10, 15 years in technology when everything went digital. There's not a single person who knows what they're doing. And almost overnight, almost overnight, I begin to realize that the thing that I need to become is a great leader, that I need to be a great leader as I, as I try to navigate this church through this season. Now, here's the secret to becoming a great leader. You have to schedule time to do it. I have to schedule time to become a great leader, that you just don't wake up one morning and become a great leader, that you have to spend time working at it. And so every month, I have a couple of times where I, where I meet with a coach in order to become a better leader, for them to invest and to speak into my life. That every morning I wake up and, and I read not only the scriptures to, to see what God is saying and the way to, to lead the church in uncertain times, but I'm also reading leadership books, making sure that I'm, that I'm seeing and understanding the practices of, of modern day leadership that I'm listening to a handful of podcasts that, that help me understand what's going on culturally and, and how to think about this situation and the way that it relates, relates to the church, that all of that is so that I can become a better leader in order to navigate the church through this season. And that secret is how any one of us, me, you, can become proficient or even accomplish any number of life changes in our life. See, you can spend your time ensuring that each and every moment is centered on the things that matter rather than being consumed with stuff that leaves you unsatisfied and even wondering where did the time go. And so what I want to do today is I want to make this really practical in your life. And I think during this quarantine season, during this stay-at-home season, there are four really important things that, that we can invest our times in that, that brings us to a point where we look back on our lives and we go, yeah, yeah, those moments, we were wise. In those moments, we redeemed the time. Now, the first thing is this. The first thing is, is if at some level, if you're watching this, at some level, there's an interest in you in becoming more closely connected with God. That if you're watching this today, you want to become more connected with God. People say to me all the time, and I imagine it's because I'm a pastor, but all the time, people come up to me and they just say, Matt, if I just, if I just knew what God wanted, if I could just hear God's voice, if I could just hear his whisper, if I just knew what, what his will was for my life, then, then if I was just more connected, then things would be good. Things would be right. That there's, that there's a yearning in, in almost all of us that want to be more deeply connected with God. And so if that's you, here's my, here's my challenge to you. If you're here today and, and you even have like the vaguest of interests in becoming more connected with God, 
someone who knows a little bit more about their faith, someone who, who looks a little bit more like Jesus, the one that you claim to follow, then here's my challenge to you. On your schedule, on your calendar, I want you to write one word, and I want you to write the word church. Now, before you dismiss me, just hold on for a moment. That when we read the Gospels, when we read the story of Jesus' life, one of the things that, that sticks out almost immediately is that he regularly went to corporate worship. That very rarely did he ever skip corporate worship. That it was one of the rhythms of his life. Now listen, if we want to be like Jesus, then we need to adopt the rhythms of his life and make them part of our lives. That we need to regularly be a part and involved in a place where God's word is opened and taught on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. Now, if you're still here and you're thinking, man, like I, I want to continue to invest in, and become more connected with God, there's a second challenge that I want to throw out to you. And that second challenge is to write on your schedule Jesus time. Now, before you think I'm, I'm hokey on this, let me just say this that if you want to be connected to God, if you want to stay connected to Jesus, then you have to spend intentional, uninterrupted time with him in his word daily. It's the only way that it happens. That you can't just treat this relationship like, like a fly-by relationship that you connect with him once a month or maybe once a year. See, when it, when it comes to the word of God, spending time in God's word, even just 15 minutes a day, will make all the difference in your life. That you can just choose to spend 15 minutes a day in God's word connecting with Jesus, whether that be in a chair, on your porch, on your deck, wherever it might be. And the way that you do it is you just read some verses. If you don't know where to start, I would encourage you to start with John. Just start with John and read a couple verses out of John and then ask the question, what difference does this make in my life? Think about that, ponder on that, whatever comes to mind, write that down on a piece of paper in a journal and then spend a few minutes praying for it. If you do that just 15 minutes a day, it will change your life. Now, the second thing, uh, the way that we can redeem our time in this season is by investing in relationships. Now, it is heartbreaking to me the number of conversations I find myself in where, where, where people are living in, in stages of their life where they're completely lonely, where they're living in, in broken relationship. And my guess is, is as we live in, in quarantine, as we live at stay-at-home state, that that's only more exasperated, isn't it? And yet the truth of the matter is, is that when it comes to relationship, everything in life, everything in life, anything that carries significance, anything that carries meaning, anything that has any type of purpose comes back to relationships. That Jesus died in order to initiate and, and even sustain dynamic relationship, not only between us and God, which, which is huge, but also between me and you and you and others. Like anything that's meaningful, anything that has purpose, anything that's important, it all comes back to relationship. And we have this time, this, this time in history to be able to invest in relationships, to be able to, to go to people in our circle of influence and, and to ask what's meaningful to them and then to turn around and to actually invest in them in those meaningful ways. And some of those people will actually reciprocate that. Not everybody, but some will. And those who do, my encouragement to you are, is those are the people 
that you can take the next step of vulnerability with. That C.S. Lewis, one of the great writers of the 20th century, wrote this. He said, friendship is not a reward for our discriminating and good taste in finding one another out. It's the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. In this time, in this season, you can invest in relationships. You can redeem your time in meaningful relationships. The third thing is family. Now, all of this is applicable to anybody, but, but for a moment, I just want to talk to young guys with young families. If you're a man and you have a young family at home, I just want to speak to you for a moment. That you've been given this unprecedented time in history where you have been asked to stay home. There's no community to the office. There's no, there's no uh, sporting events to go to. There's nothing in your way that, that you have actually been asked to stay at home. And you have this time that nobody else, no other man in history has had, which is you get to spend time with your family. Now, here's a question that I want you to ponder. What investment of time would it take for you not to just be like an average dad, but to be an amazingly awesome dad? What investment of time would it take for you to be an awesome dad? When I took this job as pastor 13 years ago, my wife Sarah and I, we, we had this very conversation. Theo, my oldest, was just a bun in the oven. He was, he was cooking, and as he was cooking, we had this conversation. What would it take for me to be an amazing dad? And the place of where we landed was, was four days a week. Now, ministry, it can eat all of your days. But we decided at the very beginning of my ministry that I would spend four days a week at home. That Saturday would be for Saturday night service. Sunday nights would be reserved for, for relationships and life group. On Wednesday night, I would stay late for anybody who would, who would need counseling or board meetings, whatever it is. But Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, that I would do my very best to be home by five o'clock to invest in my kids that I have the opportunity and you have the opportunity to invest in lives, that you can make a difference in lives right now. I have the opportunity to make a difference in three of the coolest kids anywhere in the world, that I can make a difference in their lives. And here's the truth of that reality, is that your job, they can find someone else to do your job. Even when it comes to your wife, if your wife really wanted to, she could find another husband. But your kids, they can't find another dad. You're the only dad they'll ever have. You've been given a gift. Invest in your kids. Redeem the time. The final thing on my, on my list here, the fourth thing, is that you can use this time to build some grit. Look, times are tough, they're hard, and they're probably gonna get harder before they get easier. That's just the reality. That's just the reality. But I believe that those who will really survive during this time, or I'm sorry, I believe that those who will really thrive during this time and not just survive are those who have grit. And the reason that I believe that, the reason that I believe that is because in the Bible, there's a little letter written by a guy named James. And James happens to be Jesus's brother. And in it, he writes these words. He said that God uses all the trials of our life to build perseverance, to build now, we're going to look at this more fully on Mother's Day, but, but just to give you a taste of what this is, that it seems what James, James is saying is this, is that God is, is using these trials 
in your life to do something meaningful in your life. That when trials come our way, when hardships come our way, it doesn't mean that that God is absent or, or that God is far away, but it actually means that God is doing something meaningful. That one of the goals of a faith life is so that so that we would become more gritty, that we would have perseverance because God is doing something meaningful in our lives. Don't let that pass too quickly from you. See, the reality for all of us is that one day all of this will be over. Coronavirus will be gone, the stay-at-home orders will be lifted, the quarantines will be over, and we'll be re- able to return to whatever normal looks like. And soon our schedules will return, and, and we will need in those moments to fight the drift. See, if we're not careful, like Paul says, that we will return to the time where, where our days are filled, are filled with things that we have to do, that we fight the drift, because if we don't, we will, we will go right back to the space where our schedules are just a sea of overcommitment, of busyness, and of things that do not matter. It's way too easy for us to fill our time with the things that don't matter and to neglect the things that do. Isn't that true? Fighting the drift means that we look at this pause as an incredible gift from God to set some of our priorities with purpose by by asking, not what do I have to do, but what do I want to become? In this season of life, what do I want to become? See, you cannot become someone fundamentally different from who you are right now until you ask that question, make some commitments, and then follow through on those commitments. That this, is, that this is our chance, not just to waste our lives away watching another endless series on Disney Plus or, or Netflix or Fox News or CNN or, or whatever it is, but to be wise, like Paul says, and to ask the question, what do you want to become? Because all of us, come on, All of us are becoming someone, aren't we? I mean, just think back seven, ten years of your life, what you were all those years ago, and now what you are, that we're all becoming someone. And the reality is, is that we have a great opportunity to shape who it is that we're going to become seven, ten years, even from now. And And the answer to that question begins with what do you want to become? It begins with, with what you're doing today. Now, one last thing. When it comes to your becoming, there is a God who is deeply invested in you becoming. That he is not indifferent to your becoming. In fact, he has a plan for you, and it's big, and it's good, and it's beautiful, and it's bold, and it's a little bit dangerous, and there's victory in it. And at the top of of God's priority list for you, of the things that are most important according to his plan, is that you become a child of his. That you become part of his, that you become part of his family. That's what God wants most. And when it comes to to becoming a child of God, it's not something that we we just do. That there's no amount of of goodness in us that can make us right with God. There's just not. That's the reality. But thankfully, God has already made a way through the death and resurrection of Jesus. See, he sent his son Jesus into this world to live a perfect life. 
He sent his son to the cross to carry your sins. That he died on that cross the death that you should have died. And then he rose three days later, giving you the opportunity at life, giving you the opportunity to become a child of his. And the way that we do that is simply by by choosing to trust in him and by choosing to live our life for the one who gave up everything for you. And so my question is, is, is what are you waiting for? God is, God is calling to you even on this day to become a child of his. If God's whispering that in your heart, I would encourage you right now to, to click the button that says, I believe. And if you do, we will have people on the other side to help you walk through, help you live, help you understand what it means to make that decision. Don't wait. Let's do that together. Will you pray with me? Father, we step into your presence. And, and God, we are a people who want to redeem time. Lord, we are a people who don't want to look back on this season going, how did we waste all of this? But Lord, you have created this space in our lives. And Lord, we would be remiss if, if we don't use it in a way that shows us as wise. So Lord, I pray that you would help us be wise, that you would help us ponder the question, what is it that we are to become? And Lord, that that would be the driving focus of our lives, that we would become, Lord, men and women who are great, men and women who who know how to use time, who know how to redeem time. God, for those of you, for those who are, who you are whispering to right now in their hearts, beckoning them, calling them to become a child of yours. God, I pray that they would take the bold step, that they would identify themselves today. And Lord, that this would be the beginning of something great in their lives. Lord, we thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much.